Welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast who, in hindsight, poorly timed a choice to play a game that requires close physical proximity to complete strangers. I'm your host, David Lloyd, and tonight we're preparing for the possible 2020 release of Bravely Default 2 by discussing the popular 3DS RPG, Bravely Default, and the poorly named in hindsight, Bravely Second. Joining me tonight is a gentleman currently working on his economics degree to improve the return on his turnip production, NWR Reviews Editor, Jordan Rudick. I mean, you you wrote that without knowing how kind of semi true it is. Uh, yes, I'm definitely <laughs> I'm definitely concerned about the turnip production and the prices for next week because I, I missed it on Sunday. Uh, we're referring to Animal Crossing, of course, and um, yeah, I was very disappointed. I didn't have the shop ready to go, so I didn't get a chance to buy turnips on Sunday. So this Sunday, I'm going to be all over it. Um, I actually have a minor in economics, uh, but <laughs> I really only did that because it was very just on the trajectory of electives that I was taking with my, my English degree, uh, getting a minor in economics was, was very easy to do. Uh, but I, I didn't really take any of the math-based economics courses. I took economic history courses because they were all writing-based. And and I was obviously a very good writer and very able to write things very quickly. So I could kind of just BS my way through final exams and term papers and stuff like that and still end up with a decent grade. So uh, not, not going to go back and do an economics degree anytime soon. I'm happy with the minor uh, but yeah, don't ask me any economics questions. Maybe uh, the, the next person you're going to introduce would be a better uh, candidate for those. <laughs> well, actually, my degree is actually in economics myself. Okay, well, I'm going to ask my, you uh... my economics questions <laughs> yeah, then. When my yeah, when I right. find out the turnip prices on Sunday <laughs> yeah. and, and next my, week, I'll come back to you then. Yeah. My claim to fame is uh, getting a perfect score on an essay about the wheat boom in the early 1900s of... Uh, Western uh, Canada. Okay, and we're going to have that essay for you on the Thirsty Mage homepage in, uh, sometime yeah. this week, so stay tuned for that. If I could find it or remember anything that was in it, I would. All right. Well, that's going to be, you know, this is going to come back as some punishment for one of the challenges we do later in the year. you got to reproduce that essay in some form. <laughs> that's right, rewrite it. Yeah. And uh, returning to the Mage after a 2020 prediction episode that's likely aged extremely poorly. As they do. That's right. Radio Free Nintendo host, James Jones. I make it a habit to do predictions episodes and then instantly feel regret. And I have reached a point of callousness where I can predict things, give people false hope, and then walk away as that theory crashes and burns and not even feel it anymore. James, you should have known a pandemic was coming. Shame on you for making your predictions without that knowledge. If, if I had predicted that a pandemic was coming, we would be fine. So I didn't predict it. Therefore, <laughs> we are not fine. Look, it's it is a it is a a terrible power that I wield irresponsibly. Yeah, we even even last week we had a predictions episode about a game. I'm not sure I I'm gonna be able to pick up uh, until all this blows over. I I don't know if my internet can handle the 120 gig download of a uh, Final Fantasy remake. The uh, the old digital future is here, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm already looking at my PlayStation hard drive, trying to figure out what I have to take off. So. Amazon can ship it to you sometime in May. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. Well, uh, Jordan, if you want to kick off the uh, 
the discussion. You are you going uh, two for two on alcoholic beverages? Or are you back? I, to I am actually because we bought this variety pack of the White Claw, so it came with four flavors: uh, mango, black cherry, uh, lemon lime. I think is one in great uh, some kind of grapefruit, maybe pink grapefruit. Um, so I'm trying the cherry one tonight, and yeah, yeah, you know, I normally like cherry flavor things. I know I've mentioned that on the pod before, but. Um, this one is it's very very medicine-y and I don't know maybe mm. it's just the the combination of alcohol with the cherry flavoring doesn't work but uh yeah I had the I had the mango one last week that was pretty tasty uh stomach was not too bad after that so you know might might be my uh drink of choice going forward um and liquor stores are still open during uh during the the covid-19 uh, situation so that's critical uh, businesses uh, they certainly are now it's the only way you're going to survive if you got uh two kids running your ragged all day and uh you know being at home by yourself uh with uh just your video games to keep you company but uh yeah the, the black cherry flavor i i don't know i'm sure i'm sure there are some people that will like this and i don't i don't again i don't mind like medicine-y tasting things i i like my dr pepper especially the cherry flavor i like my cherry flavored you know slurpees and stuff like that but uh yeah this one it, it just doesn't work for me with this drink so uh i don't know if i'm gonna finish this one uh, I am looking forward to trying the other flavors, but uh, Black Cherry White Claw, like, you know, if anyone's listening and really likes that flavor, hit me up. Like, I want to know, is this one of the more popular flavors and I'm just crazy? But uh, I really prefer the mango. So uh, I, I'm I'm a two thumbs down on the the Black Cherry flavor for now. I mean, medicine and alcohol just makes me think of chloroseptic. So, yeah, you know, but chloroseptic, like, if you had a, a sore throat and it was really bad and you had that chloroseptic, man, like, you know, you it made you feel better so you're like okay like this is worth it because i hate having a sore throat um it's funny you mentioned that james the chloroseptic i used to have was green i don't even know what the flavor would be like if menthol or something like that or mint but i i know the red one you're talking i know the cherry flavor but i i think the one i had growing up was a green one i uh i actually have a bottle that i got when i was sick a few weeks ago okay it 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 is um vix branded so it's right take it tastes of menthol. Mm. <laughs> it, it, it's oh, it's horrific. Did it help? Yeah, it's super effective, but okay. it's like it's also got like a cooling agent in there. But it's yeah. it's just your a body immediately goes. This is not something I should have in it. This is bad. <laughs> yeah. This is this is you have eaten a topical medicine. I'm sure of it. And uh, James, are you uh, self disinfecting with an alcoholic beverage yourself? No, so uh, I've been uh, in in the lockdown bunker for two weeks as of an hour ago, mm. um, and I bought a 24 case of beer and said, this will cover me, and <laughs> uh, two weeks, that doesn't actually come out to, it turns out you drink a little bit more when you're stuck in the house working, you know, ungodly hours remotely and not talking to your friends. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, on my next grocery supply trip, which I think is tomorrow or Friday morning, I will be buying beer at 7 a.m. on a Friday, like a responsible adult. <laughs> so, what they've done in BC, they've uh, a lot of the grocery stores have made it so that, like, let, let's say they open at eight normally, they'll make uh, seven. They'll open a little bit early. They'll do seven a.m. to eight a.m is for seniors or for people that uh, maybe have some kind of physical disability, people that need help kind of doing their grocery shopping. Um, or if, if they open at eight and then they'll just go eight to nine is like, okay, uh, people that are more at risk uh, shoppers, they're allowed to come in early. Is anything like that happening where you are, James? Not every day. Okay. So uh, a lot of stores are doing it on like two or three days a week. Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay. There are a couple of places like that up here too. 
Yeah. Um, I go, I go, I've only gone once so far and I did it 7 a.m. right as they were opening. Um, and then got out of there before it got bad and then returned, returned home and started working. Yeah. Now, are um, you doing like a Costco or a Target, like a, or like a bigger, a Walmart somewhere bigger? Or are you doing a smaller store? It's a, it's a smaller size grocery store, but it's in my neighborhood. Okay. You don't have to go too far. Yeah. It's like a mile away. It's, it's not bad. But, um, yeah, it's, oh, it's the, this, all kinds of skills I'm learning versus my normal, like, it's Sunday, it's 8 p.m. Oh, shit, I didn't get groceries this weekend. Let me go stumble out and grit something. And that's like, uh, okay, I'm going to have a plan. I'm going to get out of there in 10 minutes or less. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's, I did my, I did a grocery run yesterday at 830, and the uh, the 18-year-old there didn't question me when I was uh, stocking up on my beer supply. So, <laughs> 830 in the morning. Yeah. 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 Look, right now, those poor people, they don't care. <laughs> no. <laughs> he he's probably questioning why I wasn't taking more. But uh, one of the ones that I walked out with uh, is, is very fitting for uh, for our podcast. It's um, from Brasseurs du Monde. It's called uh, Assofé. And uh, that's the French, uh, the French word for thirsty. Mm. <laughs> and it's uh, a blonde triple from... Um, and it's got a neat little uh, story on the side. It's they say in 16th century Belgium, uh, they used to uh, mix barley with water, and uh, they used to calculate the tax on beer that way. So in order to pay less taxes, the monks used as much barley as possible, brewing a tastier, stronger ale. <laughs> and that's uh, that's the the basis of their the triple that they're making today is adding as much barley as possible. So this one is a a 9.2. And it's uh, won multiple uh, World Beer Awards uh, in 2013 and 2014, and it was it was actually very good. I was uh, pleasantly surprised. I don't know, Brasser de Mons is kind of hit or miss, I think, with a few of the different beers, but this one, this one I enjoyed. You've talked about a bunch of their beers on the podcast. I'm sure of it. That name sounds very mm-hmm. familiar. Well, they yeah they do they make good good beers. I think the ones I don't enjoy are just usually the ones uh, that aren't just in my wheelhouse. Mm. So they're not winning you over to a different uh, type of beer that you're not. Uh, not especially fond of no i think uh i think i had uh, there was one of the english bitters or one or when i when i was trying to uh, work up my tolerance to the hops and uh, bitterness i i was i think i had one of theirs and uh, i'm still gonna have to try that maximum maximum bitterness uh, beer one of these days but uh, for now i'm I'm going with the, the the blonde triple you gotta save that one for a special occasion i think and maybe a, a game that we're particularly bitter about yeah, or it could be one of the uh, the punishments for uh, one of our future uh, prediction episodes. There you go. There you go. Tonight, what we're talking about is uh, uh, Bravely Default, and uh, we'll probably get into um, the the sequel uh, later on as well. But uh, Jordan wanted to kick us off with uh, just a little bit of history and origins on uh, on this 3DS game. Yeah, so I wanted to I wanted to start by talking about a game uh, I played on DS, uh, and it's it's a funny one. Like I, it's one I don't think people really talk about, or maybe a lot of people don't know it. 
Um, it was a game that after it came out, I would see it kind of in bargain bins. Like, I, I, I really don't know that anyone really bought this game. I, I can't remember if I played it at launch or maybe a little bit after, but it's a... Uh, you know, a Final Fantasy game on on DS or a spin-off, a Final Fantasy spin-off. Um, that's the the Four Heroes of Light. Uh, so in 2009, this game was released in Japan. I think it was October, might have been later in the year. Uh, which was produced is produced by uh, Tomoya Asano, uh, who would go on to be the producer on the Bravely games. So there's obviously a connection there. Uh, so it's a Final Fantasy spin-off game. Had a job system, uh, kind of. Uh, familiar, simple kind of uh, story and combat system. Like, I think it was meant to be kind of that, that RPG comfort food type thing. Obviously, using the Final Fantasy name to kind of attract, you know, attract people to buy this game too. Uh, in 2012, uh, we get uh, Bravely Default was released in Japan. Uh, and I, it had, I believe it had started development as a sequel or some kind of um, uh, second version or second chapter of uh, The Four Heroes of Light. Uh, this isn't surprising. They've got a very similar art, kind of chibi-looking art style uh, with the smaller characters. Uh, the artist, uh, Akihiko Yoshida, uh, same artist for Four Heroes of Light uh, and the Bravely games as well. Uh, and then, of course, that, that focus on having four characters that don't really switch in and out of your party, right? That It's your it's your four characters and you, you take them through the story. Bravely Default's obviously a market improvement uh, over that uh, spiritual predecessor. Uh, worked on making deliberate use of the 3DS's capabilities, which we're going to look at in more detail later, uh, and putting forward a very uh, innovative, you know, I think we talked about this game on the Battle Systems episode we did a, a couple months ago. Um, obviously mm -hmm. a very unique battle system. Uh, we'll, we'll look at that in more detail later too. Four, uh, Four Heroes of Light clearly wasn't a success. Uh, again, not a lot of people talk about this game, know it very well. I think it's around like a, a 70 on Metacritic, something like that. But, uh, sorry, yeah, it wasn't the kind of success the Bravely games have been, especially the first one. Uh, but we can definitely see it as paving the way for uh, a new Final Fantasy spinoff that didn't need to rely on the Final Fantasy branding. Even the original Bravely Default release, uh, it had uh, the Japanese release had the uh, subtitle Flying Fairy, right? FF, Final Fantasy. But they dropped that when the game came to the West. So you've got this um, maybe recognition that we don't need... Uh, the Final Fantasy brand to make a game that people want to play. Like if we just kind of build on uh, these systems, do some new things, take advantage of the hardware, uh, they the, the, this producer Asano and uh, his team were able to come up with something interesting. So, um, James, you said you uh, had a few things to say about Four Heroes of Light. I'm interested in your input here. Yeah, so I I played this game. I played uh, Four Heroes of Light when it came out. Mm -hmm. um, and I was actually playing it uh, roughly the same time as another member of the staff who I was, was talking with a lot at that point. And um, Four Heroes of Light had some really uh, different ideas. And, and one of them, uh, for whatever reason, uh, was the decision to essentially have the game scale with you. Mm. And there's all kinds of terrible danger that comes with that. But what it really came down to was there's basically a level that if you get there and then go fight the boss, the final boss, you are uh, greatly screwed forever. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> because, like a saga, sounds like a saga game. Because he gains a power at a certain level that is potentially an entire party wipe. And he can just use it. Like, just at, 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 it's, it's random when he decides to use it. He will, he will use it. There is nothing you can do about that. It is a it is a screen wipe. I'm sorry. And she and I both, you know, we both were going through the game and we both got to this this the final boss. 
Um, and he's very similar to the final boss in Bravely Second, actually. Um, but uh, he's this magician asshole. Hmm. And uh, we were both way over-leveled, and so we both were getting our faces kicked in by this just absolute bastard. She claims she beat him. I have never actually seen evidence to back this claim up. Um, I could not beat him on dozens and dozens and dozens of tries. Uh, how the game does classes, though... Uh, so, Bravely Second and Bra Bravely Default have a class system that's fairly fluid. You know, you, you, you start putting stuff into classes and then you can just kind of mix and match scales and all that kind of stuff. Bra uh, Four Heroes of Light, you relied on the crown system, which is exactly what I said. Um, it's a crown that the character wears that gives them access to a class. And then you put gemstones in the crown as you get them. And that essentially is how you level up the class. But there is... Changing classes is not nearly as easy and painless in that game as it is in Bravely Default. Um, and I think you can actually lose progress depending on when you do it and how you do it. Um, so you, I got to this absolute jackass of a boss and was afraid to change my classes because if I lost the skills, like the, the top level skills, the, the fully unlocked class is intensely powerful. You would unlock the class and you would gain a strength that is uh, outrageous. Some some power that is game-altering. And I didn't want to change their classes because I wouldn't be able to, to have that skill up against this boss. Because the only choice would be to go out and try to farm for more gemstones, which means leveling up more, which exacerbated the problem further. <laughs> This sounds just like Saga, actually, where like you you level up too far, and because the enemy scales, yeah, it just makes the bosses incredibly difficult. Of course, the fact that Four Years of Light gives the the final boss this screen wiping ability is brutal. But uh, yeah, I can definitely see the similarity there. There's there's probably a class somewhere that can deal with the stupid screen wipe, but I didn't have it, yeah. and so there was it was just devastating and and we were playing this game on release so it's not like there were extensive guides we could consult and so we would we would literally be having like a skype call as we're both trying to run this boss and you know at some point you would just hear damn it and it's like <laughs> oh oh he pulled it yes yeah. uh but you would go and it would go like 10 minutes and and just silence on my end and she'd be like he hasn't pulled it yet no i survived it Oh, wow. All right. Are you good? Oh, God damn it. He pulled it again. And it's like, oh, there goes everybody. Yeah. It's, yeah. It. The, I liked the game a lot, which is part of the reason I ended up overleveled. I just, I went off and did the stuff because I was enjoying the game. But <laughs> there is some tr some hot trash in that game, too. But what's interesting is that game, uh, Bravely Default, very, very early on, was a was being planned as a sequel mm -hmm. to Four Heroes, um, and Four Heroes did okay, and in Japan it did better because it was a DS game, um, and Square and Square Enix obviously cared a lot about it because I actually demoed it at E3, and they were very keen on making sure I had time to play it. Um, they you know they had a, a setup for it with headphones where they basically put you on it, and the volume was turned up way too loud, so it was deafening. 
but if you didn't have the headphones on, you couldn't hear it. So I probably lost hearing for a while, but it's okay. And they, they gave that game a real push, which is funny because they didn't publish Bravely Games in North America. Yeah. And it may have been that obviously the game performed well enough in Japan for them to give Bravely Default the green light. But uh, may, maybe their their reticence uh, for the North American release is tied to the performance of Four Heroes there. I'm not sure. I Now, I, when I played Four Heroes of Light, maybe this, again, yeah, you're right, like we... If we're playing it at launch, you don't. There's no guides or walkthroughs to help you out. Like I, I remember that game being very long. But I, I looked at how long to beat. dot com and I compared. I compared the uh, main story time to about they said about thirty three to thirty five hours, something like that, and which is uh, significantly lower than the Bravely games. I would say. So I, I don't know what it was. It was just the, the time frame, or maybe something about the game made it feel longer. I think. I think if you try to do everything in the Four Heroes of Light, maybe there's a lot of side content. Or things you can collect, right? I think if, maybe if you're doing that, it can make the game feel much longer. Yeah, I could I could easily see if you're doing the side content and stuff, that game pushing into the 50s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and keep in mind, this is on the DS, so there was a limit to how much you could really conceivably play it. Sure. And I was... I had upgraded at that point. I wasn't playing on the, on the launch day DS. That would have been nightmarish. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, I, I, I got rid of that launch system as soon as I could. I, honestly, I think the day one when the light came out, I think I got the white, the 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 white DS light. I I don't usually buy re, uh, system revisions, and so the only reason I ended up with something better, the DSi XL, hmm. uh, is I was sent the NWR review unit. Oh, nice. Because basically, I was told like, no, you you need to give up on this system. And then something happened, and it just showed up, and I'm like, oh, y'all really want me to drop this thing? <laughs> Like, I, I was playing so much DS, uh, so many DS games, that every time a revision came out, and yeah, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the revisions necessarily, but I bought every one. Like, I, I felt like I was getting so much use out of that console. And there were a lot of good trade-in deals at, at EB Games in Canada at the time. Like, you could you could upgrade to the next iteration for, you know, pennies, really, on the dollar compared to what you, if you paid it, if you just bought it outright, right? So... Yeah, I went from like a DS Fat to DS Lite to DSi XL. Was there one after? DSi XL was the last one in the family. That was right? the last one, yeah. Yeah, and I ended up having all of them. And then I would go back and buy them, buy the earlier ones cheaper on Craigslist because people, you know, they, they wanted to get rid of them themselves and they, they didn't necessarily go trade them into uh, one of the video game stores, right? They would just get rid of them and maybe upgrade themselves or something like that. So I ended up getting like the whole, I'd have the whole family at some point. I, regrettably, I don't have the, the DS Fat anymore. I kind of want it just for, uh, just to say you have one, but man, that thing was a tank. Yeah, I, uh, I was just cheap. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> well, it's uh, funny that, um, that you bring up the fact that it came, it started off from the Final Fantasy for Heroes of Light because as soon as they started playing uh, Bravely Default, it, it really had a Final Fantasy feel to it, like mm-hmm. with the four crystals and uh, so so the I mean the the basic overview of Bravely Default is that you're in the world I think it's it's pronounced Luxendark yeah yes um and it's per it's protected by four elemental crystals. Um, the crystals are cared for by uh, an orthodoxy, which is so it's this uh, religious sort of organization that exists in the world. And they're the ones that are protecting the crystal. They're they're supporting the uh, the vestals, which are the uh, base, basically the individuals that are tasked with uh, uh, caring for and, and protecting uh, these crystals. 
and the the game begins with the, the crystals falling into darkness. Uh, they all kind of they, I guess the the way it, <laughs> if you're Final Fantasy uh, buff or whatever, it's it's kind of like uh, the the crystals at the beginning of the NES original Final Fantasy, where they're all kind of just in darkness and um, the light has escaped from them. And it starts with uh, the Vestal of Wind. So she's uh, Agnes is the uh, protecting the wind crystal and it, it goes dark. And so uh, she escapes from the uh, the area where it's being held and um, goes off into the world to f- figure out how to uh, reverse what's ha- what's happened. Um, at the same time, we have uh, a village, uh, Noren- Norender? I, I think it's Norende. Right? I think there's no, there's no R yeah. there. Yeah. Okay, Narende. So this is yeah, this is a village that ends up getting swallowed whole into a big. It's it's gets swallowed into a big chasm, and uh, there's one survivor, uh, Tiz, and uh, so he also sets out <laughs> to f- to find out what happened to his village and to to uh, to figure figure out how to uh, make things right. And then those two immediately become the least important characters in the game, <laughs> <laughs> because of the four party members, they could fuck right off. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, and that uh, brings us to the antagonists of the game, which are, I'm not going to pronounce it, did the duchy? Duchy, yeah, yeah. Duchy? Okay. So, uh, a cabal of seemingly amoral individuals that are, uh, I, I mean, when you first start off, it seems like they're actively trying to destroy the crystals, or, or at least prevent the healing of the crystals, and, uh, they're trying to round up or, uh, take out the orthodoxy, so you've got, like, these two, uh, opposing factions that are, uh, uh, they're making it clear. Uh, I don't know. It's it's it starts off as like this kind of good versus evil attitude where the orthodoxy are the good guys and the and the Dutch are the bad guys. But then, well, I mean, it's being told from Agnes's perspective, and she is she yeah. as a child was taken into basically be trained as a Vestal Virgin. So, I mean, they even dress her the part. Yeah. So this is all she knows, and essentially the the organization that raised her is is being questioned by this this government. And so, yeah, from ever since the story is being told from her perspective, for a while, it's basically just portrayed as well. This is th- they're being evil for some reason that I don't understand. Yeah. Um, and and they are likely killing the other vestals. There were others. There are there are less others now, basically. Yeah, I think early on you find out two of, two are gone, and then there's one other one that she's right that Agnes is aware of. Yeah, um, and yeah. so basically Agnes is is picking up the slack and and restoring their their crystals as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it as you would expect in in a, an RPG, they're not just motivated by like we are gonna fuck shit up. They have a plan. And they they are looking down the road at a problem, and they are trying to solve it mm-hmm. the the way they best know how. Nobody win. Nobody's wins is is it's one of these games. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, everybody's out for themselves. Yeah, I guess we should uh, introduce the last two characters of the party. Uh, the first is Adia, who is uh, the daughter. Um, uh, he's the leader of the Duchy, I believe, if yes. I'm recalling correctly. And um, so she ends up. Uh, I mean, she's hunting down the vessels at the beginning, but the she sees the actions of her superiors and decides that uh, maybe Agnes is, is actually uh, on the side of right, so she ends up joining the party to, to help them out. Well, I mean, it starts it starts with the fact that she just hates her boss. Like, yeah, that too. Yeah. Like, she like she mostly changes sides because she just kind of hates her boss. And and she's right. He's a sociopath. 
But I mean, she's not. She doesn't have like the great moral turnaround right away. It's mostly just like, I hate this guy. Here, let me help you wreck him. Yeah, it didn't take much of a push to to have have her switch. That's for sure. Yeah. Our final individual is uh, <laughs> the woman, the womanizing uh, Ringabel, uh, who is <laughs> the only character that matters in this game. <laughs> yeah. And when you first meet up with him, um, he doesn't really know he has amnesia, so he's not really sure his place or whatever, but he does have a book that seems to have the future written in it. Yes. Uh, and that's, he's just kind of following, following the book to see if it'll take him and figure out what's going on. But, and, and you missed his other incredibly important character trait. Besides the fact he's a huge dork, which is, he is tremendously in love with Adia, but doesn't quite understand why. Yeah. he's consistently telling Tiz that he's in love with her but doesn't really know what the reason is he just feels like he's supposed to be and she is very much not interested extreme not interested yeah. um so that's basically basically you have the two the two halves of the party that are both doing the weird like jrpg relationship tropes with each other so Tiz and act in and how do they actually pronounce her name Agnes. Agnes, yeah, which is not how it's spelled at all. It hasn't. There, there's an accent on the e, but I, I why? But can't there's it just a g. I know. There, I, why can't it just be Agnes? There's a silent g. Can we can we stop here just for a second to talk about all the names? Because the names in this game, they they They're they do their best. They do their best to put Dragon Quest to shame with the puns oh, yeah. and the <laughs> yes. meanings when you put it. Eddie is so Eddie. Eddie's last name is Lee. And her father is brave. So her father's yes. name is Brave Lee. Like, it, it's so... <laughs> the, the, there are so many good names. Like, oh, I mean, man. they pull shit in the, in the subtitle of the game. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it, and then they pull the exact same move in the sequel because, yeah. because of course, we're going to do it. Oh, man. Yeah, it, there, there's... In, in fact, the, when they really uh, reveal the, the subtitle twist... They actually take you back to the front screen of the game and yeah. show it, animate the char- the 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 letters so you can see what it was really just an anagram in case, for. Just in case you forgot. <laughs> yeah. Just in case you missed it, here's yeah, the joke yeah. we were making. It's That's like, right. oh my god, you guys are way into it. Uh, but even like Ringabel, which is not his name, um, yeah. he, he doesn't have his memory. I'm trying to remember how he got that name, but it was something really benign. Like it was literally just thrown on him as kind of a joke, and he just took it um, because, as I said, he's a huge dork, but he's also the best character in the game. Like it's it's not even close. He's yeah. so he's so sincere, but he's not he's not like Tiz, who's a generic JRPG protagonist who is like, we're gonna we're gonna stick together and we're gonna do this. I think the the interactions between Idia and Ringabel are great. Like I, I I love every time they're discussing or there's a party chat like specifically involving them. They're always they're always the most entertaining and just hilarious. Well, she's and, like and, she's like scolding him or telling him off. Like it's really great. And Tiz and Anya's they're both really dishwatery. Like they're, they're very they're, plain. Yeah. And the only time they really pop is when they're dealing with those two idiots. Because let's yeah, be clear, Idia sure. <laughs> Idia is also an idiot and also a huge dork. Yeah, and they're they're just different kinds of idiot dorks, and so they're off. Ex- when I say the party's literally like bifurcated, you have Anyez and Tiz 
and they're having their like pointed silence moments where they're talking about, don't worry, Anya's, we're going to do this together. Oh, tis. And then <laughs> the camera pans over three feet and there is an explosion happening where ring a bell is on his knees professing his love for i don't know the 30th time this hour and idea is just screaming at him and the ds is literally having its speakers pop because it can't (laughs) handle the screaming that she is putting out there and then she storms off the screen and they pan back to to our two uh boring protagonists and they're basically just going huh maybe you guys should calm down and then the scene will end (laughs) <laughs> and that happens so many times. You know, it's funny, like Anya's and Tiz, like in, in their plainness, in their like milk toast type of characters, like it almost heightens uh Idea and Ring a Bell, like and their their pairing. And so I, I get like, yeah, you know, they are very plain and, and JRPG trope ish like that. But I I feel like it serves to really emphasize the better characters in the game. And so I don't I don't I don't hate it, you know, like maybe yeah, maybe it's it's nice to have four like well rounded, interesting characters, but um, it does kind of shine a maybe a stronger spotlight on the what what I think are the I think we'll all agree are the better characters in the game. The, the the funny part is pretty much all the characters in the world, and I guess we could talk a little bit about the gameplay because I'm going to have to here. Um, all the the way you get new classes in the games, so you can basically just change classes on the fly. You get at, you get a thing called an asterisk, which is essentially a job, and you have a primary job and a secondary job, and you can unlock things through leveling up your character's role in that job, and that gives you access to skills. And then you can hybridize two jobs to get access to some skills from one and the primary skills from the other. And so that you kind of build these custom configurations of characters. And sometimes you'll find, like, this one skill from this one job pairs really nicely with the primary skill set of another job. And that's that's the way I'm going to build the, the, the character out. These asterisks come from boss fights. So the only way to get a new class is to beat a boss. And so they, they are that boss is the, quote, asterisk holder. And all of them, without exception, A, work for the duchy. Or for the most part, there's a couple that don't. And B, are nutcases. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're great. So essentially, all of the, the characters besides Tiz and Anyez are cartoon characters. And so everybody else is just like, oh, these guys. Okay. And then you have like the uh, the Red Mage, who is just as bad a womanizer as Ringabelle. But he's decided instead to build a science lab under a village of women where he creates a potion to make them love him mindlessly. <laughs> it's like, okay, you've taken this to another level. And, it, like, the whole party, you know, Tiz is, we're going to stop you. Anya says, oh, that's terrible. Uh, you have um, Adia who's just angry about it. And Ringabel is like, hmm, I haven't contemplated that approach. It's like, oh, this is these are my my heroes. Great. You awesome. can just imagine, like, ring yeah, Ringabell's in that position. Like, why didn't I think of this first? Like, this is a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, I think his pause is he literally goes like, hmm, that's a very why didn't or I hadn't thought of it that way. <laughs> he, it could be this easy. <laughs> he gets exploded on again for even yeah. saying that. Yeah. But it's like all of the other characters, the the hunting trio that you deal with. Um, the the archer, the I can't remember what the other two classes are, uh, but the three sisters, they're really really nuts. Uh, the first two characters you fight, the one that's the white mage and I can't the remember monk. the monk. monk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
their their relationship is weird and nonsensical and they are likewise the world of this game is just really over the top in a lot of ways mm-hmm. eight of eight of those classes i think you encounter in the story uh but 14 of them are all side quests like they're totally optional like you right so many of the jobs in this game you don't even have to get like it's not like it's a very similar system to final fantasy V. But in FF5, I think you you're you're almost required to get all of the jobs, except for a few optional ones that are that are added in the GBA version, for example. Uh, every, yeah. Everyone else, you're you're going to acquire those job classes. But here, they're they're all very optional. The, the map tells you there's like a blue little uh, kind of question mark box on the map, you, so you can tell where the side quest to get a new job is. And if you want to get them, some of them at the end of the game, uh, like vamp- vampires, one of them, something like that, right? Or, or necromancer, yeah, the vampire or one and um the the sage one. Yeah, are, like, are the the last two? Then, but they're very late in the game, right? And so you, you you may already feel like you're super comfortable with your with your job sets or the classes you have now, and just just totally skip out on those. But it, it's a nice little kind of extra thing you can do in the game to unlock all the classes, you know, power them all up, see how they all work, and um, yes, yeah, some of them just. I mean, it, it's the sequel. It, it, uh, it's bravely second that has the cat mancer. Is that right? It's not in this one. Yes, the like cat that, like, mancer, it's just ridiculous. The <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really just said, like, okay, to hell with everything. We're just going to throw everything at the bloody wall. And if you want to use these classes, go for it, right? Yeah, so I I never got the sage because that fight is really, really hard. Mm. The vampire one is also incredibly hard just because it it's... It's it's a like it's it's an optional boss essentially, and they expect you to be extremely late in the game getting mm-hmm. it, and he will he will wreck you. He will wreck you in in terrible, terrifying ways, and just tear you to the ground. And he's like, well, that's that sucks. I don't I don't care for this. I mean, we're we're kind of already here, so David, maybe you should just t- like talk a little bit about the battle system itself. I think it is one of those things that really stands out about the series, and you know, really uh, kind of resonated with people too. Yeah, so it's it is a your traditional turn based, but it has uh, a bit of a twist in the sense that um, you can either save turns to be used later on, or you can mortgage turns to use them earlier. That will then be. Um, you'll have to pay the piper <laughs> after you make the, uh, the attacks. So they, um, so when it first starts out, you'll, so, uh, by doing default, uh, you, you save the turn, but you also put yourself in, into kind of a guarding stance so that you'll take less damage that turn. So that will bank that, that turn itself so that the next time that it comes around, you could technically do two turns, um, on the next one that, uh, without having to, um, leave yourself open for attack. And you have the, it works for all four party members, so you can pick and choose who you want to do, um, like if you want to do a quick attack on a cert to get rid of a certain character early on, you can uh, do a brave, which uh, allows you to do multiple turns, um, and, and if you do that and you don't have any bank turns left, then what happens is, is that 
the, the character to just stand still and takes the hits as as you have to um, regenerate those turns. It's funny early on, like uh, I, I I don't. It, it takes a bit of getting your mind around because early on, I I really wasn't utilizing it all that much. I was to the extent where I was almost ignoring it, where it's just like, yeah, just you know, I'm getting by on turns, so, so you know, I'm not worrying about it. But then when you get into like things like boss fights, you really have to strategize like when to use the default because you there'll be times where you want to protect yourself from taking the hit but then you also need to take advantage of weaknesses very quickly so it really it, it took a while for me to kind of understand how effective it can be and and how much strategy is involved uh but it's it is it's a very uh unique uh system that that's worth it's like it's it's worth playing it's very interesting yeah there's um there's some some a little bit of similarities to like a reading historia where you can do things with stacking the turn order um, and trying to manipulate it to get into position. But really, how it works out really well in the in the Bravely series is by essentially by either you, you can if you can look at an enemy and just know I'm going to be able to wreck this thing if I if I crank and just do all of my turns right now. You can just go spend four turns worth of moves. And as long as you kill the enemies, it doesn't matter. No, you know, no harm, no foul. Uh, if you don't, you've now set yourself up for three turns of your entire party just standing there getting whacked in the face. But with some bosses, like maybe you want to use uh, a stat buff and then you want to pound on them with the attacks for a while. It lets you essentially stack the deck in your favor and then just tear on the boss really hard for that one turn. And yeah, you're going to be knocked back out of commission, or maybe you're going to have a character who's out of commission for a few turns. Maybe you keep your healer on the the regular cadence, but it gives you the ability to to come up with tactics for the situation you're looking at. Um, it, it also gives you like a fail safe if your healer is like, uh oh, I need to heal everybody. I, I'm going to take the risk and just brave through these turns. I did that often with the healer where. Um... At the beginning, I would I would default or bank the turns for the healer because obviously you don't need it off the bat. But knowing that I'm going to get wrecked and I'd like my healer to be able to uh, pull off like three or four heals in one turn to kind of put everyone back, especially like certain characters that hit all that would hit all the uh, the characters at once. And to there's trying to brace myself for something like that. There's also a a secondary component to the combat system. Um, so obviously, all the classes affect the game and some some really affect the game directly how the game is played but there's a secondary item um and i can't remember what it's called like a time egg or something goofy like that Hmm. that you can basically just press select and get a turn right now Um, yeah yeah bravely it's actually called bravely second (laughs) bravely second okay yeah (laughs) of course because of course it is there's but there's an item that comes with them oh yes uh i don't remember the name um, that's limited use, and they were actually selling as as limited use DLC in the eShop. Uh, but there was ways to get free ones, and so that's right. Yes, I remember the the microtransaction. Like you, you really don't you don't even need to do it because you you can store them, you can store them up or something. Like yeah, that, it, they build up over yeah. time. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but I like I used them a handful of times, and God, they were so nice to use. Like. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're in a boss fight that's going really sideways, but you just need that one heal, having them is a, is a beautiful resource. Just pop that button and go. There's there's also, uh, I don't know if all the bosses or enemies have this, but I think a lot of the bosses have some kind of pattern that you can discern. 
And so it can be very uh, advantageous in the first four, three or four turns. Just default until your maximum, you get your maximum allotment was just four. You've got four turns in reserve. And by then you may have already seen kind of what the boss is going to throw at you. Uh, and you can kind of figure out when they are going to default as well, because you don't want to expend your four turns. You don't want to go brave four times on a turn when they're defaulting, because then you've kind of wasted all of your your pent up energy, right? right. So there, there's some there's there's an advantage as well to using a lot of default to defend, but also as kind of a way of discerning the pattern or the types of attacks that the the enemy is going to throw at you. It's it's just such a, a fascinating way of encouraging you to defend in a game and to not just kind of you know throw things at the wall to see what sticks or just to go balls to the wall and just throw, you know yeah just attack 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 like the the idea of strategic defense in this game I think is so interesting and why why I've really fallen in love with the series it's 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 found a way to encourage you to defend in uh, a lot of situations. There's not a lot of uh, RPGs that really put the focus on defense. Like it's mm. usually, uh, you know, just just go all out and and let the chips uh, fall where they may. But th- this is one of the few where it's like, no, like you're not gonna win this game going all offense. Like you have to put some uh, thought into the defense. Yeah, you yeah. have to use the you have to use the default command. Like you're gonna you're gonna fight bosses that have those kind of super powerful screen wiping abilities, and you have to make sure you're defaulting at those times. Like it's, it's funny. Like I think about other RPGs where uh, defense is kind of like part of a tutorial where they'd be like, Oh, when you see the boss's tail go up, make sure you defend on the next turn or is doing a countdown three, two, one. And then you got to defend, you know, something kind of basic like that. I don't think yeah. you see as much of that in this game. You have to really figure out what the boss's pattern is and when, when they are preparing one of their like when, when maybe when they're preparing to cash in three or four turns you have to be defaulting to, or you're going to die from that right so yeah really interesting that it gets you to think like that yeah i um some of the some of the the refinements that we see in the game including the bravely second uh, ability um came from the essentially the dx version of this game when it was released in japan so mm. in the west we got the dx version which is known as for the sequel, um, which was in response to after the game came out in Japan originally, Bravely Default Flying Fairy, they did a bunch of player surveys to refine the game. And then they essentially built those refinements in engine, um, added a bunch of story like side quest content and released that as the so-called DX version, which they actually named for the sequel because literally it was them practicing on this these changes to test them for the sequel. Um and so, so, so the the combat system um is a little bit more refined in in the version that we get from the original release. The the class effects I think also got got emphasized a little bit more. Um there is a class, I think this is actually a bravely second class, but there is a class where it introduces an entire new bar so you know you have your BP, you have your HP, you have, uh, but there is a class that introduces like spiritual power. Uh, I think it's called the Guardian, and they co- they just collect, uh, they just collect a a stat called Spirit over time, and they can unleash that to do certain attacks ver- instead of using MP or BP. It's it's really like it's really odd because the game has all these bars already and some classes just, just have more. There are, there are passive skills that classes have. So like the time mage, 
Um, in Bravely Second, I don't remember if that's in Bravely Default. Um, if you've leveled up the Time Mage, you get a skill called Time Slip, which essentially, if you lose the battle, just takes you back to the start of the battle. Mm, right. Just just unwind the game. It's it's really there, there's a lot going on in how you stack your party and how you build your characters and what skills you put on the character because you can't have all your skills equipped. You have to you have to pick some. All of this stuff really comes back in and the game lets you experiment pretty freely. So you can really build class build parties for the challenge in front of you. Um, and it's fun just to just to get a new party and then go, ooh, what's it do? Um, you know, the there's a the Valkyrie class, which I think which I know is from Bravely Second, just disappears for a turn. Like it's it's a two turn attack. One it's essentially it's jump. And so yeah. the the character is just gone for a turn and then comes down and hits the enemy on the second turn for a tremendous amount of damage. And that's in a way that's a really useful skill just cuz it's a defensive move. For the next like turn the, you won't hit me. Yeah. The dragoon. Yeah. It, I mean it is. It, they even it even looks the part. It's just white instead of red. There's something funny yeah. about that one though. Like in terms of using bravely with that one cuz I I think that attack takes up two actions. Because yes. it is the jump and then the attack. And I can't remember if you can actually bravely uh, with that attack and do two jumps. I, do, do you remember, James? Like, I know there's no. something funny about that, right? Like, you, you can can't. only do it once, maybe, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you can't. There are some moves that it won't let you uh, uh, brave on. Yeah. Default, yeah. default on. I can't um, brave on. Brave on. Brave, yeah. There's some moves that just won't. So if you pick the move, it actually, if you if you jam the shoulder button to, to brave and then you pick the move, it'll just essentially take the gauge back down. Yeah, that's right. And so that's one where, because it's basically like any move that can be done multiple times. So like I could stab you four times. Okay, well, that's fine. I can do a, a 4X power version of this spell. Okay, that works. But, you know, I can only jump so high. I can only hit <laughs> so right. hard that's coming right. down. There, you you mentioned that the time age and that that time slip uh, uh, passive ability. Um, I obviously I really welcome that kind of mechanic in RPGs. Like it's really nice when you can restart a battle once you figure out like if it's your first time fighting a new boss and you can figure out a little bit what they're going to throw at you of some of their weaknesses and stuff, especially. But what this game does, it, you know, it, it's funny. Like it's it's almost a trope, but I think we all we all kind of appreciate it. It basically puts a save point. Uh, out front in uh, right where a boss fight's going to happen right and it, right. it's a, yeah. a character that looks like the red mage and you talk to them he's like oh it gets very dangerous from this point on and <laughs> yeah. you, you know there's going to be a boss fight coming or something something uh, a very difficult fight uh but it, it's not only a safe point it's also the person who sells you potions and equipment based on uh, and, and this can lead us into the, the street ma- street pass mechanic but he sells you items based on the uh, upgrades you've unlocked from repairing Narende. So one of the yeah. uh, mechanics for Bravely Default is that you are, as you street pass with people, you acquire more villagers to help you rebuild Narende, which was the the town that Tiz was from that uh, got destroyed. Uh, so you're rebuilding Narende in this, and it's um, you're assigning villagers to open up a potion shop, to open up a weapon shop, to open up new, just new areas of the, of the village uh, to, to explore and to, uh, to get new equipment and abilities from. Um, And as you street pass with people, you collect villagers. It makes the construction faster, but everything that you construct, all of the, the buildings that would sell armor, weapons, whatever, they're all sold at the save point character. 
Right. And the save point character is always right in front of a boss. So it's just one of these really kind of neat ways of integrating street pass, but also a very helpful RPG feature in general that I, I think we would welcome at all RPGs. This character who sells you, oh, you need Phoenix, you don't have any Phoenix Downs? Well, here's a boss fight. Why don't you buy 10 Phoenix Downs for the boss fight? Like, I love seeing something like that. It's just a very accessible uh, kind of feature. It was helpful once. Let me tell you, somebody who's Uh-oh. playing it, someone who, someone who's starting the game now, like, uh, like yes. someone, someone yes, who yes, just fair. got the game for Christmas, <laughs> yeah, is uh, struggling to find some street pass friends. Yeah, yeah. So I, I legitimately, um, I wasn't getting many street passes when I played this game, um, just because where I live, I was, I was legitimately. I mean, keep in mind, it's, it's timer. So if you, if you just let it up. Yes. If you just let it run, it'll it'll still it'll still build stuff, and people do still show up anyway. Um, I want to say when you connect to the internet, it'll you usually get yeah. you usually get a couple people. So I was basically doing that every time it would let me, um, and I built the whole town before I finished the game without street passing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but where where this game does um, where I'd be really curious about. So um, we haven't talked about the twist yet, and I don't know how much y'all want to talk about. St- story stuff um if we're allowed to here or not it's uh, a, you can go ahead it's almost it's unavoidable with this game yeah so, so yeah. people know if you if you haven't played bravely to fall and you you do want to get into it without being spoiled know that for the next five minutes you probably want to skip ahead because it, uh, it is let's, a, go, let's go 10 we need we'll, yeah, we'll, okay, have, we'll okay. have things sure, to sure. say <laughs> okay so 10 <laughs> minutes skip ahead you don't if you don't want to be spoiled uh otherwise yeah go ahead james yeah, so basically the the uh, what's what's really going on in this world is there is this sort of omnipresent um world eater that is essentially moving between realities and consuming them. Um and essentially erasing all existence. And the fairy that you meet very early on in the game that tells you that tells Tiz he needs to go help Anyez is its servant. And by by purifying the crystal, she's basically opening the gateway that's letting this this monster into their world. And so when you clear all the crystals and then go fight this boss monster, what ends up happening is besides the fact that Aerie, uh, which I believe what's what's uh flying fairy th- like Aerie lies or something like that? Uh, yeah, so yeah, something like that. I don't it's remember. like an anagram I, of that. It, yeah, yeah. So the basically all the characters you wake back up and the party's been separated again and you think well what happened and what's happened is you've actually moved to a parallel reality um where the the asterisk holders are now respawned on the map they're doing different things because they're not the same people they were before you're in a different world the party is somewhat unclear what's going on they don't know why things are different now it takes them a while to piece together it's a different world they're in and this this cycle keeps repeating. You purify the crystals, you beat the boss at the end, you get transported to another parallel reality. They can't figure out why they can't break this cycle. Um, and you have to do something in particular to break it. I just can't remember what it is. Like there's there's some way during the confrontation with Airy that you can do that essentially breaks that cycle and forces you into the real end boss. But, yeah, I didn't get I didn't get that far in my second play. Like I, I'm sure I did it. I know I did it when I first played the game, but second playthrough, I didn't get that far again. Yeah. Um, and there's a neat street pass feature, and a spot pass feature. Spot pass. That's the internet yes. one. Yes. Um, where you can summon characters' parties to join you in battle. Literally, a character member 
you select the character you want to sync to spot pass and their stats and stuff go off into the ether to be played. Um, and it prioritizes your 3DS friends. So w when you played this game at launch, you were consistently getting characters you could summon in battle to help you out. And you can only summon the, summon them again after that person has respot passed from the last time you did. Hmm. So doing this now, I would guess there's not a lot of characters out there to pull. But when you do finally break that chain, all of the realities of our four idiots uh, are are actually fighting the the multi-dimensional world eater at the same time. So the game is constantly bouncing around during that final sequence, showing actual other players' parties for when they fought that monster. Um, and they're attacking it as well and doing damage. It's probably one of the coolest uses of the spot pass functionality I've ever seen. And now it's completely useless, I bet. <laughs> That's right. So, like, I legitimately saw, I want to say it was, um, I want to say it was Greg's party? Um, I, like, I saw people on staff's actual parties during that confrontation. Like, these are the characters they used to fight the boss. Um, and when they synced, when the game was syncing that information back out, like there they were, and they they did attacks, and it it actually like really sold the message of the game. The whole like you're in these parallel worlds, and the reason why uh, Ring a Bell has lost his memory is all tied into that. Um, he's he got transported weird basically, and so there's all kinds of just neat functionality that ties back into that confrontation. But that means you have to replay parts of the game over and over mm -hmm. and over again. Yeah, it, it uh, is frustrating to get. I mean, it's it's a very cool payoff at the end, but yeah, it's a it's lot like, of legwork to get it's there. It's like twenty five hours of extra yeah. legwork. Yeah. Uh, it is. I will say, I give them credit for. Um, I, I said all the asterisk holders are dorks. Um, when you are going through second, third, fourth playthrough of the game, and you're you're basically running these side quests to go fight the asterisk holders, and don't worry, they're stronger now. They always have some kind of dumb, like, mini-quest story they're on. So, like, the sisters who have who have secluded themselves in the forest, in one case, uh, uh, the monk has ended up with them, and they're very not happy about it. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and so they're just yelling at him the whole time, and they, I think they, I think they created a no-boys club, mm. and they're basically like, yeah, Dia and Anya's can hang out. It's, this is our no-boys club, after all. And then, and then at some point they decide that no, we're not going to do this, and you have a fight. But it's like this is, this is really stupid. This is really outrageously stupid. Um, so I appreciate that they did it and they put that extra work in. They recorded those voice lines. They came up with that dumb scenario. But yeah, like there's only so many times I can run into the she's the 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 role isn't called bard. Is it? I think it's called the 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 dancer or something. The singer. Oh, the idol, or I think I think is what it is. The 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 pop singer, uh, performer. That's it, with the bunny ears and the and the weird right, frilly yeah, skirt. I can, I can picture it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like she has some really bizarre quests on subsequent runs through the game world. Um, Ring a bell dresses like Elvis when he's a performer, <laughs> <laughs> which is perfect. Yes. Yeah, so. Um, uh, yeah. There, there there's. It's it's fun and I'm it's really cool that they did all these neat these neat uses of the 3DS's features. And actually as you read through the uh the D's journal, which is the book that uh Ring a Bell has, 
some of the parallel jumps actually get to make more sense. But yeah, that that hey, you like when it when I played it, so I, I was playing it on release, so I didn't know about the whole you're gonna have to replay the game eight times or whatever it was. When I got to that, it blew my mind the first time. Because mm-hmm. it's like, wait, what? Why? Where are we? I know, I know this town, but people don't know me. That's weird. Where's the rest of the party? Yeah, it's very off-putting, right? Like it just kind of, it just kind of happens all of a sudden, and you're like, did did the game restart? Like, what, what, what's going on? There's not a lot of explanation up front. You do kind of feel lost, or that you have to figure things out from the beginning. It is kind of a, a shock to the system. Yeah, because it's Tiz comes into the game, into the same town that he stumbles into at the start of the game. Yeah, and he, there's no party. And you basically find them throughout the town. And I can't remember if they know who he is right away or if their memory's scrambled too. Um, I think they do just join the party right out. Um, except for Ringabel, who's like completely nonplussed by all of this, which gets explained because he's gone through this more times than the party has. Mm-hmm. So basically, I think I think what it is is this is the first time the party's actually escaped their reality being destroyed. And so the same party always ends up facing this monster in the parallel universes and losing. I think this was the first time they escaped, but he had escaped once before. So he was actually on whatever iteration of reality that Tiz, Adia, and Anyez was on. Like this particular Tiz, Adia, and Anyez. Like this is our third reality. This is our fourth. He was on at least one more than them. Mm -hmm. And so he actually existed in the reality. He had a parallel. Like he his he ex- he was occupying two roles in the world at the same time, which is why he didn't just take his old role. Um, it also explains later why he was in love with a and didn't couldn't quite figure out why, uh, because he had lost his memory of what and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it makes his character really fun, and then he's gone, which makes me very sad. But it's it there that payoff at the end, like that's the probably the coolest final battle I've ever seen in a JRPG. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny, like, I, I can't think of another game that does something similar, like where you have other you know, other people involved in in the actions that you're doing, or uh, at least not to that extent, you know, like Dark, Dark Souls, like you see people leaving messages, and you can see their spirits running around, or you see the pools of blood where they died, you can right. summon them, you can summon them to a boss fight, but it's not like kind of all of these random people that you that you are friends with online kind of fighting the same fight and 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 justifying the idea of the alternate dimensions the alternate realities right like it really really did kind of i don't know find a way to tie all of this kind of convoluted material together into a nice little package like yeah and it does, like you said it does take a while to get there but it's really damn sophisticated actually when you get through all of it Right. It's it's just w- the challenge it confronts you with right out of the gate. Like it feels like you're about to cross a threshold and then mm. it's like, ha ha. Yeah. The ultimate taking the taking the rug out from under you. Right. Yeah. But then then the next time you get there, you, you know, you kind of look around and go, did I do it? And then it, it crashes back to the 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 main screen. You start the game and yeah. you're back in that town. You go, God damn it. Yeah, it's like Groundhog Day, you know. <laughs> you just keep reliving the same moment over and over. And and I do think the characters start to become more aware of it earlier on because I think I think at some point they start going like, "Yep, here we are again." Yay! I just can't, I wish I could remember what it is you do to break the cycle because it, mm. it's it's not like do it five times and the cycle breaks. 
Like, you legitimately have to do something else. Like, basically, normally it's like you have to fight fight this thing and kill it, and then it's like, well, you didn't win. I, I, I want to say it's like you can actually attack Aerie. And that's what you end up having. I think it's do. something like that. Yeah. yeah, I'm just I'm just reading in the normal route. Uh, so there's two routes in the normal route. It's triggered if Agnes destroys one of the crystals after figuring out Aerie's scheme. That's it. Yes. Yeah, Aerie attacks them in a fit of rage. The group then pursues her to the dark aura, a realm of darkness near the chasm, and defeat her. And her final words are her final words claim Oribus is still a threat to the world. Right. In the canical route, should the player awaken the crystals across four different worlds. Ari reveals herself and is defeated by the party. Uh, the group then goes to Yoliana and Durasso, who reveal a message left by an angel. That version of Agnes from another world, who was betrayed by Ari, and they've been planning for Orbis's arrival. Yes. And the group reveals, resolves to stop the demon. Yeah, and something there's some combination of you go confront them, and... Oh, that's it. If you light all the crystals, you fight Ari. Yes. Yeah. And And... Basically, that doesn't accomplish anything. And if you just keep lighting the crystals, you'll just keep fighting Aerie. At some point, you I think Anya has basically started saying, like, I could break this instead. And eventually, if you just say yes, then it then it snaps the game to the end state. Um, but considering how much they've been talking about the crystals as, like, these are the things that keep the world alive, committing to breaking it is kind of a, you know, it's not, it's not an easy decision to make. It's like, oh... Okay, well, then I guess I'm going to do it this time. I think I did it on my sixth run around the world. I was like, all right, well, here we go. Let's let's see what actually happens this time. And then it, you know, then it flips over into that really outrageous boss fight. That There's really nothing like it. I mean, it, it would be hard to, I mean, you mentioned Dark Souls and stuff, but it, it's really, it's it's a turn-based RPG, which makes it hard to bring other people in, obviously. Yeah, it's it's different. And it's... It's such a cool visual too. Like it, it uses the 3D really well. Um, the fight is really uh, kinetic and explosive. Um, there's some really surrealist music playing during a lot of it. Uh, characters. And the thing is, when you record your attack, like you record your party's attack to go out, like you don't actually send the character. You send it a specific attack. And if you're lucky, um, you have lots of friends who have figured out how to get max damage repeatably and that's the attack they record mm-hmm. um so like i would go fight like a level one enemy and unleash my most powerful attack on it and record that because it just picks up the number and takes the number across so this it would be like i'm taking 9999 damage into the boss fight and just giving it to you for free S- a similar kind of like coup de gras moves are coming out of these alternate the party the party and so you're just seeing them pop off. And even, yeah. even while you're fighting, like you're seeing things in the background happening. It's really cool. And it it's probably one of the best payoffs I've seen in a boss fight. There's there's a couple JRPGs that have really, really amazing final fights. But this one, the, the battle itself isn't particularly difficult. But the, the, the presentation is through the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, the presentation in this series, we haven't talked about it, but... It's got this like pop-up book look. That was originally what attracted RFN's attention to it. So like we, that demo came out and it's just stunning to look at. So this game had a demo on 3DS before it came out, and it came out a little bit before the game. And it basically drops you in the desert town against the Time Mage. So it's not it's not exactly the story that you get in the game. It's it's a bit different. They've a bit modified it, but 
the entire world looks like literally looks like a pop-up book. So there's these really detailed drawings of of the towns and stuff that are, are essentially popped up against a, a no background. So they're the characters are moving with these really ornate drawings behind them of the town, and there's layers of depth to it because of the 3D effect. And you, you just nav- navigate these really nicely hand-drawn areas. Uh, dungeons are not particularly interesting to look at inside. No, they're not. They're very fine. Uh, but, but artistically, this game is really, really excels. And, of course, musically, oh, my God. Yeah, it's a, the, the yeah. soundtrack is fantastic. Uh, just one thing about the, the visuals before we move to the soundtrack is yeah. uh, there, there's, it does that cool thing at the beginning whenever you enter a new town where it, it's very, very zoomed out and you see the whole thing. And right. you, you, you almost can't even see your character, right? Because they want to show you kind of how big the city is compared to you or just going to give that full effect of it, I suppose. But as you as you start moving, the camera zooms in on your character and you get this kind of... Um, uh, you you start to see the buildings really close, so you can see like you know where the inn is, where the uh, potion shop is, and stuff like that. So it's got that cool kind of zoom in, zoom out that happens in every town. Uh, so I kind of like that that happening. But yeah, the the soundtrack is it's incredible. Like it's so fast paced, and um, I I know we've mentioned a couple of the sound the uh, specific tracks when we did some of our music episodes. But uh, what which ones stand out to you guys? I haven't played this game in five years. That's really unfair. <laughs> uh, so, so I mean, Come on, the, I got to be prepared, James. Let's go. The, the the party characters. So we, we didn't talk about it, but the party character, the parties all have like the characters all have like a turbo mode. Yeah, that's right. I, I can't remember what it's called, but basically they get this this period where they launch a really powerful attack, and then their stats are buffed for a, a little bit, and during that time frame, um. The, the character theme plays. Every character has their own theme. Baby Bird sucks. It's bad. How dare you? That's Adia's theme. <laughs> but uh, Tiz's theme is really good. Um, and Ring of Bell's theme is perfect in every way, shape, and form. He is my perfect, he's my perfect little boy, and he has the best theme. But, but all of the battle themes are really good. A lot, some of the world themes are really good. I remember commenting... So I remember talking about, but I don't actually remember hearing the fact that in the desert town, which is a clockwork town where the time mage lives, the music actually has a ticking in the background of a clock as part of the song. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, that was we talked that was about I was going to point yeah. out. Yeah, because yeah, you, you, yeah, you brought it up for when we were doing our best RPG music. Yeah, I don't recall the name, but yeah. And it was funny because I hadn't played it at that point. And then coming into the desert town, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I hear it now. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is awesome. Like, it, the, the, yeah. the, the flower town music, actually. That's my pick. Oh, that's a good one, too. It's funny that, like, the whole game, it, 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 Bravely Default just seems like one of those games where if somebody said to you, like, give me a game that shows, like, peak 3DS, like, what, what, it can, what can it do? Like, yeah. give me a game that does... That pushes it to the limit in, this in every way possible. Yeah, yeah. like what? and it this this seems like it. Like it it does it with the art style. It does it with the three D uh, effect. It does it with the music. It does it with the street pass. Like it just it takes everything and just and pushes it to the extent that it can go. It's a uh, it's very. Um, Greg has this theory that he's used in the past where he talks about how games early in a Nintendo system's lifespan will will lean over to make sure that they check all the checkboxes. And Bravely Default feels like it's late for that. Because, of course, we got it in 20... 
2014. Well, 2014, yeah. 2012 game, was Japan, yeah. The game came out in 2012 in Japan. So, like, that feels much more realistic. Even then, the game, I think uh, 3S came out in 2011. So it would make sense that you're dealing with a game that's like, I'm going to check all the checkboxes. Um, and it does. Uh, in the, the video sequence you get when you beat for the sequel, which is literally the start of Bravely Second, is uses AR. And actually, they squeeze a little bit of AR in the front, too, with Anya as begging for your help. Yeah. So there's AR card support. There's 3D support. There's the AR also has gyroscope stuff in it. You can have Anya standing in your room talking to you about how she needs your help before the ground falls away and she's pulled in by demons. It's it's like they that you're right. They went for every they every part of the kill. They used it, and so it a lot of it to excess, obviously. Um, and so that's why we don't see games go after that again. Like, there's no game on 3DS that looks as good as Resident Evil Revelations. Because they did it, said, yeah, it can be done, and then everybody's like, yeah, but at what cost? What, mm-hmm. Why did you do that? Well, Square just, they just, they have that, uh, it's their thing. Like, they just, they, they take a system and they make a game that pushes that system to its absolute brink. Like, they've done it so many times with, like, Final Fantasies and the PlayStation era and uh, it just seems like it, it's it's like a, I don't know if ego is the thing or if it's just like they just want to be the the company that's like here we'll show you what what can what can happen you know we're, it doesn't matter if we're wasted money we're still gonna make the biggest baddest thing that's that's out there I mean a- even if even if people didn't like the game at the very least you could point to like hey we we used the system to its fullest. Where even if you even if the that you don't like the story or the characters or whatever like at the very least it's a technical showcase of what the system right. can do and you can almost yeah. sell it on that alone right I mean they're legitimately the 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 end the true end of the for the sequel so the the revision that came out it, the version we got has a fully voiced fully animated I want to say it's like five or six minute sequence a fight you're, it's, you're watching a fight scene in first person through through windows so like you're having to like scroll around or scroll around you move around your body to try to contort to see what's going on and the limited visibility you have of a character you've never met before just going ham on a bunch of of <laughs> the dukedom's enemies or the dukedom's troops like just wrecking shop and you're trying to just get a good view of it and that involves you standing up out of your chair after you've finally beaten this game um, contorting your body, trying to get a good look at what's going on while staring directly into the 3DS screen. None of that was necessary. <laughs> like, it just wasn't. But at the same time, it was so goddamn cool when it happened. Because I didn't know it was there. So, like, it basically just said, like, the credits rolled, and then suddenly um, there's a voice I don't recognize basically, like, saying hello and knocking on my 3DS screen. And then, oh, hold on one second. And then this whole big fight breaks out around me. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? And, and I, you know, I, I described his as, as being dull as dishwater and whatever. The game does a pretty good job with its story and its characters and making them mean something. And so when characters sacrifice themselves, that means something too. Because um, uh, are we still in the spoiler zone? 
Well, we're, we're, we'll have to go back into it because it's been well over 10 minutes. But Yeah. <laughs> we we are returning to the spoiler zone for, let's say, let's say five minutes here. You know, the the end game of Bravely, Bravely Default is both of the male characters in the party are gone. Tiz drops dead. And Ring a Bell got lost in one of the time jumps. Or in the in the final time jump because there you know there were already two of him in this reality. So that was the end of him. So instead we have the dork Artemis Dim running around. But like all that stuff actually matters. Like it actually feels like it matters after it happens, which is tough to do because it's not like the character sacrificing himself at the end of an RPG is anything uh unique. Um so it it happening is still is still impactful, um, and, and I think that's largely because not the, not because the story is particularly sophisticated. Although, as you said earlier, the setup here is really really impressive. It's because they how they write these characters and their interactions make you makes you give a shit about them. Mm-hmm. It, I think it helps. I think it helps with their whole voice too. Like it's oh it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a long game. There's a lot of dialogue, and for almost all of it to be voiced like. That's yeah, it endears you to them, right? Everybody but Anya's is voiced really well. Anya's has a really obnoxious voice. Hmm. Uh, it's that it's the weird like breathy heroine. Yeah. Oh, but tis how are we like I really detest that meme for some reason. <laughs> like it's just like I Adia is screaming into the microphone, causing it to clip, and then you have Anya's over there like she's just run a marathon trying to talk to you. It's like I. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Yeah. But yeah, it, them being voiced, and there's so much voicing in this game. Yeah. Um, it really adds a lot to their interactions. And even even the handful of things that aren't voiced, um, because the the so much of it is, and because they, the actors do such a good job, you can still hear it, like in the in yeah. your head. Like I still hear Ring of Bell's goofy conversations, his little goofy one liners when they're just text pop ups. I mean, that's what's great about the party chat is that it often comes after a cutscene right. where you've heard the, you've heard these characters talking, and then you you want an extension of it. You want a little bit more detail, or you want to see like what would they talk about next. And yeah, it's not voiced, but yeah, you you you've just come off of hearing the characters talk, and so you can it kind of continues on in the party chat, uh, subconsciously or something like that. And it's it's great, you know, like there there's no no reason to skip any of the, the dialogue or the story here. I think it I think it is. As far as RPGs go, handheld RPGs especially, I think it's very, very strong. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the fact that you get so many of the, the side characters, like the asterisk bosses voiced, uh, they're, they're, they're very charming. Like, I think just as a whole cast of characters, like, you want to do those side quests to get all the jobs. Not necessarily for the jobs, but just to see what the side quests are, to hear those characters and get to know them as well. Yeah, like the, the vampire quest line. Um, you just are being consistently reminded that the characters are fairly uncomfortable about confronting a vampire. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then you meet him, and he's kind of a, he's kind of harmless. Yeah, but they're gonna fight him anyway, and it's just like this is this is goofy. I don't why why is it like this? Uh, there are characters that are less. Uh, the, the sage is a pervert. Yeah, yeah, he's a. <laughs> He's kind of a problem. And that was that was a whole cringeworthy uh, exchange there too. And then ring a bell, like admiring him for yeah, yeah. Okay. And he ha- he kind of has to, right? Like I, yeah. I get that, but it's, it's you, bad. you're you're the evolved for- version of what I am. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, ring a bell. At least you always get the feeling that, like, generally speaking, his heart is in the right place. He just doesn't know how to handle it. 
Yeah, he's yeah. he's not he's not a creep in that Sage Yuliana is. He's more like just hopeless, I guess, right? Yeah, he's he's he mm. is an idiot who doesn't understand how to talk to women. And then when you actually meet his his parallel, that makes sense. Yes. Because he's he's all he's all restrained and proper. And then you realize like, oh, this is what he actually is. He actually is closer to this person than the other person. Mm-hmm. He's he's actually a dork and it's fine. He's. He, I think. I think the difference is Sage Juliana is not harmless, no. uh, because of course he makes no. Anya's wear that that outfit, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which then turns into like thirteen little party chats afterwards, yeah. them talking about the outfit. Uh, yeah. Um, but mo- generally speaking, uh, Ring of Bell's heart's in the right place. He's just. He's just hopeless. I mean, I got to believe it's scenes like that and the outfit and all of that kind of rigmarole. That was one of the reasons why they aged up the characters in the Western release. Oh, yeah. Right? Like they're they're like they're like uh, 16, 15, 17 in the Japan release. But then in the one the version we got, they're like, you know, 20, 19, something like that. I'm like, you got to believe it's because of characters like Yuliana and just some of those, the side quests stuff like you go you, you undertake for him that. Yeah, we can't have like sixteen-year-olds talk, you know, being treated like this or participating in things like that. It's kind of a little untoward, right? So, and, and and I mean, the 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 characters are pretty. Well, the the art is not the art. The art for this game is gorgeous. Like the character, it art. is, it is, yeah, love it. But the uh, some of the the character the character work is all sprites, but is some mm-hmm. of it's a little, um, a little little showy. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah. keep in mind that Adia in particular is the youngest member of the party. And in the Japanese version, she's 15. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she, she puts on the Sage's outfit too. It's like, Ooh, uh, (laughs) for the sequel (laughs) that they, they jumped her to 18. Yeah. And then in bravely, bravely second, everybody got the jump, Mm -hmm. which means in, in the, in the, in the North American release to bravely second, she's 21. Yeah. Whereas in the Japanese one, she's 18. But it's like, yeah, it's it. Yeah, they need to. They had to deal with that. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's too much. I I I actually really uh, was really excited when Bravely Second got announced. Um, even though Bravely Default, I had mixed feelings on. I think generally, I I I love the game, but the what it puts you through to get to that ending, I remember being being not pleased. Yeah in a in a in a very consistent sort of way i mean you can you can enjoy the payoff but still feel exhausted by how you got there right. and kind of turned off or or maybe thinking that if if a, if the next game in this series if there is going to be another game and it did something like this like i, I absolutely wouldn't want to go through that right yeah exactly and so a a sequel coming is like oh okay well i'll i'll and and given where the game ends it's like what what would you do here like where where do you take a a sequel out of this because of course the game ends quite quite definitively it's been dealt with the problem is gone multiple characters are dead <laughs> it's like h- how are you going to bring this back and the answer is they bring back tiz that's the whole sequence that you get to watch at the end of bravely default and they introduce two fan fiction characters to fill in the party yeah, I mean, and and I mean, Greg is the person who pointed this out. the The main character of Bravely Second is literally a fan fiction self insert. His name is you. <laughs> right, that's right. 
Um, so they knew what they were doing. And he has the literal space pixie heroine girlfriend. Because that's literally what she is. She is from space. And she is weird, ditzy, doesn't understand the world she's in. It's like, what? Mm. what is any... And, and again, she loves him but does not know why. She just she just sort of does. Uh, it's... Bravely Second's weird. It's really strange. Like, even even some of the stuff in that game that they add is weird. Like the the mini game to make money, which is literally just you. Oh st- yes, that's right. You start it up and they just go, and it, it's literally like a screensaver. They're just building crafts. They're literally like making arts and crafts. At the the party is at a table building arts and crafts, and then they're sold for money at the end. Yeah, and you can't run it in the background, right? It's not like the city building. Like you have no. to actively be doing it. Like it's such a weird. I don't know why they did that. It makes no sense. But like, like I thought that the, the building Narende like that that clever use of street pass like it's in the background you 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 don't really need it if you don't want it but this even this one like I don't know that you necessarily need it for the money but like it's who who's doing it right yeah it it's so I did it like I I got yeah. a ton of money out of it because when you max level up their ability to produce plushy animals which is what they're doing and you get like the the bonus like the basically you can pop a skill that makes them work faster right. You can make a shitload of money with that thing. Oh, you can. Okay, I don't. Th- I don't think I ever pursued it that far. I'm like, oh, this is dumb. But okay, if it, if it, you can actually get a lot of money out of it. Yeah, but so like, it really, it was basically I would plug the 3ds in, leave the top open, turn the volume down, and then go do whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I would come back and just sell the stuff. And be like, okay, I win. It's really, like there's all kinds of weird nonsense things in Bravely Second where I feel like they they had to make a sequel but didn't entirely know what they wanted to do with it. And so you have you and I can't remember what the uh, Magnolia, the the new characters that are added. Yes. In that one. Yeah. Um, they're 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 almost hilariously pointless to the point where I think other characters make commentary on it. Tiz is actually entertaining to be around. And Anyez is basically shelved away like like um, Tetra in Wind Waker. Like she, sometimes she'll call the party. Oh, how are you all doing? And basically, there's like we're fine. Don't worry about it. We're good. Yeah, she like talks to you via a crystal or something like that, like a, or a necklace or something. I uh, yeah remember right. Yeah. yeah. And basically, everybody else is like, yeah, we're good. Don't worry about it. It's just like consistently like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. You're fine. <laughs> it seems very, a very tacked on device. Like, oh, yeah, this is how we're linking it to the first game. You know, like just these very, very you know tenuous uh, uh, strings attached to uh, previous char- characters that you dealt with before. Tiz, Tiz is still hanging out. He's still in the party. Yeah, yeah that's true. Adia is still hanging out and she's basically like slightly less explosive. But she doesn't have Ring a Bell there to blow up on. And occasionally, like, they actually... I mean, they do a good job with those two characters advancing them forward. Um, like, she doesn't have Ring a Bell to blow up on and is just generally sad about it. Mm. And takes it out on Tiz a lot of times. 
Like she'll just blow up on other characters because she doesn't have anyone to blow up on. Um, you get a really nice payoff on the Ring of Bell plot at the very end of the game, um, which is all well and good, but um, it ends in a cliffhanger, Bravely Second. It is kind of funny to take what you may have seen as the protagonist because it's the first character you meet and, you know, it's him repairing Narende, taking a character like Tiz in that game and then shuffling him over to Bravely Second where he's not the protagonist. Yeah, he's one of your four party members, but clearly the game is supposed to center on or you're supposed to feel maybe more of an attachment to you, right? Like the the name as the name implies. Yeah. Uh, It is funny to see a game where... You 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 move from being the protagonist to being a side character. And I think it, it does a lot for Tiz as a character. Just, yeah. just having him not be the, the spotlight guy, right? Well, so, so three years have passed. Tiz saved the world. Everybody knows it. And then he died. And so yeah. Eugenie Olja, which is the, the main character in, in Bravely Seconds Full That name, last name, oh my god. Uh, he idolizes Tiz. Mm-hmm. Like, completely idolizes him. And he's like, there's a... There's a party chat sequence where he goes tells Tiz like, "I'm gonna be just like you when I grow up." Tiz is like, "Yeah, that's cool." <laughs> he goes, "I do 100 sit ups every day to be like you." And Tiz goes, "I do about a thousand. And yeah, then- <laughs> I remember that. That's so good. Yeah. And he's not doing it to be a jerk. He's just yeah. like, "Oh yeah, I do about a thousand. It's just matter of fact. Yeah. And then and then you is just completely devastated. <laughs> he's just like, "Oh no, I yeah. I'll never be like Tiz." And like Tiz is Tiz is still the same harmless boy that we had before. He's just now got this a different sounding board. He doesn't have two lunatics in his party running around hopelessly going after each other. Mm-hmm. Um he's got you who is just a fanboy. I mean it's it's it is I mean the reason why I referred to you as a fanfiction character is he really is. He's a fanfiction self insert. Like he it's we talk about like here's the main character of the story. I'm going to shunt Harry Potter over to have my character actually be the center of attention. And then he's just going to be friends with me and it'll be fine. We'll have adventures together. Like that's what it feels like. Yeah. yeah. And and there's only one other game I can think of where that happens. Does anybody want to make a guess what it is? Oh, I'm surprised no, I haven't done a thirsty sure. mage on yet. Tales of Symphonia, Dawn of the New World. Mm. So Tales of Symphonia is all about, um, like on his name, like, like the main character of that game is Does it start with an L. Yeah, Lloyd. Yeah, Lloyd. Yeah, I, I played. I played it on GameCube. You know, once upon a time. Like, I, I, I bought it for a very extravagant price, and then never ended up playing it, and then sold it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So I, uh, I played both uh, Tales of Symphony and Dawn of the New World. Dawn of the New World is is the Wii sequel to it, where basically it's kind of the same thing. They've done everything. Like Lloyd, Lloyd and his and his party have literally prevented an apocalypse, and they've just kind of settled into their life now, um, you know, into re- heroes' retirement. Um, and then Emil and Marta come along. Marta is this mysterious pixie girl who just runs into Emil and is magically in love with him suddenly. Again, it comes up, and then jump cut uh, let's say 15 hours and Emil is the center of the party and Lloyd and co are just coming along for his journey and there's a large big bad beyond the big bad of the first game that was actually pulling the strings hey guess what like bravely second (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh it's just um Emil and Marta are god-awful characters like just just atrociously terrible um I think you is mostly fine um Magnolia is kind of funny. 
you know, she she's not she's kind of filling the ring a bell role here of she's kind of like hopelessly in love with this character and not handling it well, but she's not also insane. So there's like the there's a step down here. Um so it still it still works okay, but I mean it's not Bravely Second is is, is doesn't have a, a million jump cuts, but in other every other way it's kind of uh inferior to its predecessor. Yeah. Musically. It does feel like it kind of they, they just took some of the ideas that they maybe had on the drawing board from Bravely uh, Default and just like, oh, you know, we didn't get a chance to use these. Let's throw them in the sequel. You know, it, it's it's quirky. They've got kind of ridiculous job classes that they've added in here. And it's almost yeah. not not taking itself as seriously as the first game. Not necessarily that, that it, it was, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, even less so now, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, the Catmancer is... Ridiculous. Uh, the patissier. So there, there, there is a job in Bravely Second called the patissier, which, if you're not familiar with that term, it's basically just a pastry chef. And the whole story around the asterisk holder there is there is a town where this very handsome pastry chef has shown up, and everyone loves him. And they are increasingly loving him every time they eat his pastries because he's got mind control chemicals in them or something insane like that. And I think half the party eats them, too. So, like, there's, like, things get out of hand really quick. And that's this whole, that's like an hour-long story beat that ends with you having the ability to have a pastry chef in your party. Uh, I think there's a magician role. Like, it's, it's dumb. It's, it's. They they really lean into it and say, you know, it's going to be even sillier this time and even weirder and even more absurd. Uh, and they just they just go. And it ends with li- a literal interdimensional police force showing up. Like that's the end of Bravely of Bravely Second. The cops show up and fix it. <laughs> the time cops specifically literal ass time cops show up and solve the problem. <laughs> Which, which, uh, there's a, there's a neat thing. And I remember this pretty good where when you fight, uh, the bad guy whose name I want to say is Providence in Bravely Second, like it, it, the first game broke the fourth wall a lot. Mm -hmm. He tries to erase your save file. Like it's like, it's freaking eternal darkness, uh, during the fight. All kinds of weird nonsense happens in that game. And in, in a way I kind of liked it for that because Bravely Second, Bravely Default, is silly but serious like the plot's still there bravely second is silly but is serious but mostly silly like the you know the conqueror or whatever the bad guy's name is who's just like this big this the kaiser this big large man with a sword um who just continues consistently tells you i am very strong and therefore i win and that's his that's his plot motivation <laughs> like it's literally just i am strong man like it's ultimately it's just just like bravely second bravely default he had his motives we're going to reveal them to you and then here's big interdimensional evil to go fight it definitely feels like they wrote a plot to sit on top of the plot of the first game yeah and just said i don't know i mean how do we come back from interdimensional world eater <laughs> like how do we create a peril bigger than a thing that eats reality for dinner uh just don't. Okay, cool. This is the last call for alcohol this evening. Drink up, drink up, drink up, and order again. 
I mean, we're, we're talking about a sequel, so it, it's probably a, a good time for our, our last call, uh, and we can talk about the poorly named Bravely Default 2. <laughs> um, David, you were asking in the last call question, like, what do you what do you think it will look like? Uh, are you thinking just art style? Did you think about, like, the gameplay, stuff like that as well, or story? Yeah, a little bit of everything, because, uh, I mean, we, we've already seen, uh, like, Pokemon move from the 3DS to the switch and mm. the art style i wouldn't say was a major change like obviously no. it's higher res but but the it's still a very 3ds look to it like it's still got it's still a little flatter like it doesn't obviously have the uh they, they brought they brought it closer to the concept art yeah 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 exactly yeah so and and i know they've already said that like this this isn't going to be a running you know the the first two were their own thing this is going to be totally different yeah or a different story anyway new world new characters Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so so should we be expecting something more in the lines of like uh you know square pushing the switch or are we expecting something more of a 3ds experience on switch Honestly, the visual style of of that series is so integral to what it is. You know, the pop up book look, the the really really well drawn art. I, I I'm expecting we're gonna get a a really high res Bravely Default game. Uh, I mean, they've already shown the character sprites at the very end of the reveal trailer, and they look like really high res character sprites from Bravely Default. It, they they look like they fit in perfectly with the series. Like it, it's almost what you would ex- just what you would expect or what you would imagine in your mind. The game coming to Switch, this is what the characters would look like. So I don't know that they're going to change the art style too much. I worry that moving to the Switch, <laughs> we're going to lose some of that uh, pop up book style because we obviously we haven't seen any of the environments necessarily. I don't think we've seen a bunch of we... art and it's drawn yeah. to represent that pop up book. So it's literally is it okay? That's good. That's good. Yeah. So it's literally like drawing of a building that's flat uh, of a row of buildings and then there's another drawing in front of it to create a layer and another right. drawing in front of that to create a layer so it, at, a, at a minimum the concept art in the trailer is trying to evoke that imagery hmm. so i would assume that that's what they're going for uh, the art reminds me actually of the cg movies that are in bravely default and bravely second because the character models in bravely default and bravely second had very big heads so they would be clearly distinguishable on the 3DS screen, because the resolution's very low. So you can only fit so much detail on these things. That's why the party characters' heads were always really big, and their bodies were smaller. It does look like the character models at the very end of the trailer, the heads are more to scale. Yeah. Uh, because they probably can. But I... I I'm Honestly, you know, the, Square Enix already had their departure with similar concepts with Octopath. Um, not the same team, which I know that it's it's said like, oh, it's the makers of Bravely Default. Eh. Yeah, it really. sounds like there's only like like I think the head guy kind of joined this other yeah uh, studio, so he's kind of involved, but like the nuts and bolts people are not the same. People. No, Square Square Enix was not particularly quick to make correction there. Like they were like, yeah, it's the sum of the same people. Yeah, but this is this is the team that made Bravely Default. Including yeah. including the composer of the original game, mm-hmm. uh, who was not available when the second game was being made, which is why the music isn't as good. Yeah, it was interesting that they made they made a point in that announcement trailer of mentioning things like that, like 
that the uh, the designer, um, uh, the the uh, Revo uh, who did the music, yeah. coming back for this game, like they made a point of emphasizing those things in the trailer, which I thought was neat, right? Like people want to know, oh, is this going to be more like the first game or the second one? Like clearly they're maybe going more for the first, right? Like they call it, it's Team Asano, so Asano is the director and producer of Bravely Default. Mm-hmm. They mentioned that Clayworks Tech is on it. They were the developers of Bravely Default. They uh they. They name drop Revo, but I remember yes. when I saw the trailer, like I didn't need the name drop because the music had already told me Revo was back. <laughs> That's right. And yeah. I'm like, oh shit, Revo's back, y'all. Um, and and it's not that the music in Bravely Second is bad. Uh, it's just the bar that is set in Bravely Default is so high. Yeah, it's 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 almost unattainable. Yeah, I, honestly, I think we're probably just headed for another Bravely Default game, which I'm totally fine with. Um, I don't believe them for one second that these game worlds are not linked. You can tell me this. I will, until I see the credits roll on Bravely 2, Bravely 3, Bravely whatever this is, I will not believe that statement for a single goddamn second. Because this this series lies to you consistently. (laughs) Yeah. Like, even that one sprite, like, with the, with the Agnes very looking, uh, sprite there holding the glowing crystal it's like okay there's there's going to be connections but she's, like, she's a but she's a blonde though so it's not the same person Anya <laughs> is a brunette like it like it's it's different characters but uh, those four characters are different but we've already established that one of the main party members is a member of an interdimensional police force there's literally no rules no limits at this point they could do whatever they want mm-hmm them saying oh it's a different world okay bravely default takes place in eight different worlds what's your point what what are you yeah yeah, tis isn't in the party that's all you've said yeah i don't i don't literally the subtitle of one of these games was basically don't believe their lies like i just just, no just people are gonna whenever the subtitle of bravely default 2 is announced people are gonna run that through anagram makers and try to figure things out (laughs) yeah do we th- do we still think it's going to come this year, or is it going to be a victim of the uh, inevitable delays? It depends on how far they are. They are. That's the, yeah. that's the. If they were planning for this game to be end of the year, no. If they were planning for like middle of the year, there's still a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it was interesting that they gave 2020 at the Game Awards, right? Like that, they, rather than I don't know, I don't know what they would have said alternatively. Like maybe just not give a date at all. But. Right. The, the intention was it for for it to come this year i th- i think we we would have to see something uh something substantial like some kind of substantial gameplay <laughs> or something at at whatever nintendo's e three ish presentation is gonna be like if yeah. if by june we're not seeing something considerable or like something tangible i i i can't imagine it's coming in twenty twenty i mean they probably could have shown that back when they announced it back in december but uh, honestly Right now, Japan is semi-functioning. Like, they, it's yeah. not shut down the same way a lot of other countries are. So, th- they could still be cranking on it, and it'd be going. Like, it, it just, it's just a question of, you know, certification and mar- marketing and manufacturing and all that stuff. Because they are going to want to have a physical release to go with the, the digital release of this game. For sure. If it N- was- Nintendo might want it to release in 2020, because what else do they got? Well, we don't know. That's uh, that's new. <laughs> we don't know. That's the thing. Nintendo's no, entire yeah. lineup beyond Animal Crossing is basically a big question mark. Mm-hmm. 
and Animal Crossing came out, y'alls. Uh, that's why, I mean, that's part of the reason we have the, the direct rumor that's lingering is because it's like, what's coming out the rest of the year? Give us something. Cause we're not going to wait till June to find out, especially now that June has no particular meaning of any significance at this point. I don't know. I don't like it throughout the switches, you know, you know, three, like three years, like it's obviously not super long, but I don't think we've had a situation where we haven't known the date for at least one upcoming first-party title, right, or at least a, a window or something like that, we really don't have much of anything right now. After now that Animal Crossing is out, yeah, I don't, I can't think of anything we know. The the only I think Bravely Default Two is the only new. Like we have tons of rumors of ports and stuff, right? Xenob- but Xen- enough- we know Xenoblade. Like we know it. We know it exists. We know it's coming. We don't know. I don't think we have a date or a window for it. Oh, uh, yeah, it's just another twenty twenty port. Well, it's 2020, but it's a port. Like, there's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing new that Nintendo's announced, mm. th- right? Other than Bravely Default, that's 2020. Well, and, and like, yeah. keep in mind, that's a, Square Enix is probably publishing that game this time. I would think. You would, yeah, that would stand to reason. But maybe they're not. Maybe Nintendo is just in order to keep it locked down. I, I don't know. Mm. But still, it like th- there. It, it is a big ass black hole right now. Mm. Like, there's nothing, and. Uh, uh, Nintendo has it listed as has them listed as the publisher. Jeez, really? Okay. Yeah, it says Nintendo is the publisher on Nintendo on the eShop. They have a Bravely Default two. All right, sure. Yeah, page. I noticed that. That's right. It's and it says available. It still says available twenty twenty, and it has in big bold letters that they're the publisher. For them to have a page this early. They, I think they really do believe that game is coming this year, like but, or or that even that, that maybe delays won't push it out of twenty twenty. Well, here, here's the first line: a new world, a new story, and all new heroes of light await in an original RPG experience arriving on the Nintendo Switch in twenty twenty! Exclamation point. So we're gonna find out that all four of those characters are ring a bell. They're- yeah, the successor to the Bravely Default game comes from the teams that brought you. The Bravely series and Octopath Traveler, and featuring music from Revo. I would Get, like those characters to be the same four characters from Four Heroes of Light. Yeah, they're back. Just yeah, they're back. They're, they're back. back. Yeah. It's it, it's a new world. It's not a Bravely. If we, it's not a world you saw in Bravely Default. It's just a remake of Four Heroes of Light. I will say, actually, now that you mention it, the characters in Four Heroes of Light they're not they're not as well written as Bravely Default, but they no, are they are very strong. Like they have the str- names are so obscure though. Like I, I that's why I, I had such a trouble uh, remembering anything from that. Uh, remembering much of that game. The names are like just bizarre. Like they're not. I mean, the names in Bravely Default are funny. Like they're 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 puns, right? But the Four Heroes of Light, they're just bizarre, like made up names that no one would use. I, I don't know. But I, I I feel like if I got one, the other three would come with them, and it's just like I just need to come up with one of them. Oh, it's so close. Uh. Do you want me to give you one and see if you get the others? Uh, yeah, give me one. Okay. Uh, Jusqua, J U S Q U A. Brant. Yes, with a T at the end or B R A N T D T. Yeah. Um, Unita. Yes, and who's the last one? Uh, it's the princess. Is it? It's something like air. Uh, I'm so. I'm not sure. I'm I'm looking at the wiki right now. Air Air is one of the characters. I'm I'm not sure if that's the one that joins you, but 
it's whatever the princess. It must name be, is. yeah, yeah, yeah. Air yeah. meets a fairy named Lilibel. Yeah, it's gotta be. It's gotta be her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, meets. Yeah, there's. God damn it! If you're right, and this is just four heroes of light, it's just like, oh, you, <laughs> can you imagine? You <laughs> bastards! You absolute <laughs> monster! Like, or the or those characters just walk it. through the background. They just. Yeah, whoop. that's right. <laughs> like, I oh. think one of the one of the one of the interesting things on this page too is for the number of players, it says to be determined. Uh, that just means nobody bothered to put value in the field. <laughs> I guess. Well, four, four, uh, hey, hey, Four Heroes of Light had multiplayer. <laughs> it did, so... but Four Heroes of Light was also an action RPG. That's right, yeah. yeah. But they say, yeah, new world with new characters, but with the atmosphere and excitement the Bravely series is known for. I, I Part of me wants them to just never resolve the plot thread they dropped at the en- in the dead end of Bravely Default 2, or Bravely I Second. I think that's in- I think that's entirely possible. Just like they just that, walk away from it. Yeah. You like, oh, they're going to pull a Xenoblade X on me. Well, after David read that text about the description of the game, for them to go back and resolve it now, like they're, they're, bla- they're lying to you. They're, they're lying to you. Yeah, it's a whole new thing. Right? Bravely series would never lie to you. It's, yeah, it's, it's true. <laughs> it's the paragon of honest storytelling. Yeah. There's no deception in this series at all. But usually you, you get the deception when you're in the game, not not the not the not the paratext, not everything outside of it. <laughs> a bravely default deceives you in the instruction manual. It's just like it's just no. The, you gotta buy the box, James. You gotta buy the box to get uh, there, bent over by them. You know there are lies everywhere in that game. Like honestly, if 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 legitimately the end of this game doesn't just have the galaxy police show up to go like, did y'all get a, did y'all see that? That was weird, huh? And I'd be like, who the hell are you? Oh, peace out. And then just leave. Like, uh, oh, there's there. I'm definitely in the full on guard up. You can't fool me again, bravely team, which just means when they do eventually swerve and get me, it's going to hurt that much more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm naming horrible naming decisions aside. Where did they screw it up? Did they screw it up on bravely second? Or are they screwing it up here with Bravely Default 2? The 2 is bad. I think we all expected 3. Just call it 3. Yeah. Like, there's, three, there's 3 games. Call it 3. Yeah, like, what's the harm? Like, I, I can see saying, okay, look, there were two mobile games. We're not going to count those, even though they, they did tell Bravely stories. We're going to leave those alone. But why? why, why are we going to get Bravely Second 2? If they make a Bra- sequel, Bra- that's right. Bravely second yeah. too. <laughs> I think they would have been fine if they had it went with bravely third or bravely default three. I think they would have been fine either way. If they went bravely third, it would have to connect to the previous two games. Right. I, I get you why. Bravely default and bravely second. Second is is a sequel to the first game. They'd have to do it. Yeah. Right. So I can see them saying bravely. It's bravely default two because it's an anthology, whereas bravely second is a direct sequel. But if yeah. that means if they do make a direct sequel to Bravely Default 2, they have to call it Bravely Second 2. Right, and if there's any connection between Bravely Default 2 and the previous two games, then they should have called it Bravely Third. Oh, I... I <laughs> right? <laughs> now I really want there to be a Bravely Second 2. Like, that would that would be just <laughs> like... If that happens... So, I we were recording RFN when the trailer hit. So I yeah. muted my microphone so I didn't blow up on it. And then I unmuted to just go, they called it Bravely Default 2! <laughs> oh, I was losing my mind when I was watching this. I if, was jumping if, up and down with my son. It was great. If if it was Bravely Second 2, like, yeah. that that would be it. I'd have to stop the recording, 
walk off, go outside, and just scream until the police showed up. Bravely Second 2 is going to be a direct sequel to, to Bravely, Bravely Second De- and not connected to Bravely Default 2. Great. Perfect. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be... That- Square, you know Square doesn't care about titles anyway because you got Final Fantasy X-2 and then what do we got? Final Fantasy XIII-2 and then Final Fantasy XIII Lightning Returns. Like, Oh, yeah. There, there's no rhyme or reason. So, but The it, most interesting thing is going to be what is the next Bravely Default game called? That's all that really matters. This, like, the, Bravely Default 2 doesn't matter. It's already been announced. What's the next game going to be? What called? if they make a sequel to Bravely Second and call it Bravely Third? And at the same time, they're also working on Bravely Default 3. And they're Bravely Default Three is a whole other series, a whole other anthology. World. Like it's all yes. other, yeah, 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 exactly. And then they just completely annihilate their own SEO, just in in one fell swoop. <laughs> they wipe right. out their own SEO. It's amazing. Good job, everybody wins. The marketing team right now is sitting up in Square Enix Tower, crying to themselves. What if we? Have- They'll just release both games at the exact same time with <laughs> I mean, two when, different teams, when you and decided- then it'll be a competition. When you decided to call a game Bravely Default, you don't care anymore. You don't care about <laughs> SEO. You don't care about what people think. You're just you're in total FU mode. We're just going to put it out because the, the commands in the game are Brave and Default. Oh, we got to call it Bravely Default. Well, or, we have I, to I name characters after <laughs> gameplay mechanics. It's fine. <laughs> no, the, pro- right. the problem with Bravely Default Flying Fairy is they cared too much about the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they were way too in. And then Bravely Second, they're like, what do we call it? We should call it Bravely Default 2. What they called it? Well, Second, Bravely Second's the mechanic we're introducing, because it's literally like, I'm going to brave this second. Do, does End Lair mean this anthology is done? No. And they're never going to come back to it? I can't, is, I, is it possible that's the interpretation? I can't remember what End, end Lair was another stupid anagram. I just can't remember what, yeah. it, what it was. Mm. But basically, it's like... he. They they had a thing they wanted to do and figured out an acronym that would work. Yeah, uh, I oh my god, it's it it's it's so stupid. Like it's I can't believe it's great. It's really great. I can't. So here's a sentence I want to read to you from the Wikipedia article for Bravely Second Endlayer because I was trying to find what Endlayer means. Legacy. Hmm. This is the legacy section. Yep. A third entry in the Bravely series, Bravely Default Two was announced at the Game Awards in 2019 and is scheduled for worldwide release in 2020. <laughs> that is a sentence written without a drip of irony, of which it deserves a lot. Here we are, our third entry in the series. So now it's the Bravely series. Yes. Every game with Bravely in the title is is part of the same series. The third game in the series, game number two. It oh it's just... it's great. It, it, I'm looking at it right now. It's really great. Like this is this sentence should be framed and hung on a wall. And in depending on the context, this is either like something to be celebrated, or if you're at Square Enix's office, this is to be hung on a wall with the sign that says "No, bad, do not do this again." Like uh... James, we're we're booking you for the episode after they announce the subtitle of this game. And we're going to spend an hour just talking about the subtitle and what, I mean, it, what we're gonna the implications to. are. What, it, what, what, yeah, we, we do, we do have, we're obligated now. So like, I'm looking at, at the name of the, the, the spinoff stuff. Cause Bravely Default has a bunch of spinoff stuff. Uh, they put out some books, including the pocket book of R, which is wild name, audio dramas. Cause of course they did. It's Japan. <laughs> yeah. 
a browser game called Bravely Default Praying Brage, B-R-A-G-E. Not barge, because the, the A would have to be on the nope. other side of R. So Brage. Playing Brage takes place 200 years after the original game and includes a new cast of forfeit that faces Lux and Dark's elemental... Oh, God, that might be what we're looking at. Bravely Archives D-Report was released for mobile devices. It is also set in the far future, following an alternate scenario stemming from the offense of Bravely Default, but featuring characters from Praying Brage. <laughs> so stupid. I I don't I, just hearing you say that hurts my ears. Like, oh my god. Asano said he would ideally like to release a new Bravely game every year. No. <laughs> no. Oh don't, gosh, I hope. Don't you dare. The next one has to be Prank Brage. <laughs> uh, and then and then here it is, a third entry in the Bravely series titled Bravely Default. <laughs> yeah. The legacy paragraph of these is just absolute madness. It's spectacular. It needs to be framed. <laughs> I want the audio CDs. I don't care. I want to know what's on them. Like, honestly, if it's just an hour of of Ring a Bell and Adia fighting, I would pay for that to be dubbed. Just an hour-long argument over nothing, over whatever dumb nonsense, and occasionally you just hear Tiz in the background go, <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> Are y'all done? No, I'm trying to convince her. Fine. Just just hear his soul exiting his body as it ascends. So now that we've we've given everybody a lot of bravely uh default and bravely archive homework to look into, um we're we're rapidly approaching uh 2 hours recording this bloody podcast. So <laughs> well, you, you better wrap it up first. I think George. I think we should. I think we D's should wrap up. Report. I do have D. the Bravely Second art book, which I bought in, in Portland, and it's really yeah. it's gorgeous. Like it's the, the Bravely Second one you have, James. Did they do a for, one for the first game? They did, but they didn't have it stopped. Okay, um, I, gotcha. I uh, it's 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 all of that art they created for all of this. Every character in every class is drawn mm-hmm. on there. Every, all the backgrounds, everything. It's it's awesome. That's one of the coolest things to see, actually, for both games, is just seeing the different characters in the different uh, outfits for the classes. I want to see Tiz as a cat answer. No, you don't. Oh, I've seen it. Please please rip that page out of the book. So, uh, yeah, I want to thank everybody for listening. Obviously, a longer episode. Really good game, though. If you haven't played Bravely Default, uh, you can, at at the very least, try the demo on the 3DS. uh, Give you a sense of what the combat's like and uh, the world exploration, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's a really good game. Um, unfortunately, it, it never goes on sale on the eShop, or at least very rarely. Uh, so if you can pick up a, a used copy or something like that, that might be a good way to go. Um, we've got a new Bravely Default game coming. We don't know uh, exactly where it falls in the timeline or in the, in the series as an anthology or whatever, but uh, we're going to find out uh, hopefully soon, get some more information about that. Uh, it seems like it's still planning to release this year. Um, yeah, uh, James, you know, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, pleasure as always to have you on. You're, you're always so informative and uh, really knowledgeable. And so it was, uh, it was great chatting with you about the game. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, do you want to shout out uh, where, where people can find you? Yeah, um, you can hear me every week hosting the Cattle Call that is Radio Free Nintendo. I record it tomorrow, so I don't know what calamities it shall bring. But this uh, this week's episode is episode 666. So, Oh, no. Timing, timing <laughs> is apt and terrifying. So, yeah, good luck to all the listeners. 
I hope you make it out on the other side. And I don't mean yeah. of the current of the current situation. I mean of listening to that episode. This may be the last time you ever hear James on a podcast. This so might, you know, I hope this you... might be the last time a podcast is recorded. I hope you enjoyed us talking for 20 minutes about the naming conventions of the Bravely Default series. Yeah, uh, if uh, if you enjoyed listening to us, you know, we'd love to get uh, your feedback. Uh, you can reach us by email, uh, david at thethirstymage.com or jordan at thethirstymage.com. Uh, if you've got ideas for future episodes, you know, hit us up. Uh, we're always looking for uh, for uh, uh, feedback and ideas about what, uh, what people want to hear us talk about on the podcast. Uh, please leave us a review on your podcast uh, device or app of choice. Uh, it helps with visibility, uh, gets, uh, gets the word out there, get more listeners. We love to hear, uh, uh, hear what people are thinking, and we want more people to be listening to the podcast, obviously. Uh, grow the audience, that kind of thing. Um, uh, you can reach uh, David on Twitter, at uh, FilteredGamer. Uh, I'm at Riskman64. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. Give us a follow. We're always uh, sharing uh, the reviews we're working on, the content we're putting out there, uh, and obviously thoughts about RPGs that we're playing. Um, I think that's I think that's everything, David. Did I uh, check off all the boxes this time? Yep. Uh, the only other things I would add is if you want to check out uh, our review on Persona 5 Royal, mm-hmm. you can yes. head over to the Thirsty Mage uh, YouTube channel, and I also have a coverage of the Final Fantasy VII Remake demo, and uh, we're not too far off from the actual game coming out, which will probably be uh, nothing but FF7 coverage uh, for at least a few weeks after that, so... Make oh, sure yeah. to uh, head over there and subscribe. April is going to be us just shut inside our doors playing FF7 and then at the end of the month playing uh, Trials of Mana. So we're going to be looking forward to that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Upcoming episodes, I think we're going to be talking about uh, Gargoyle's Quest, a Game Boy game you can you can download uh, by the virtual console on the 3DS. Uh, it's pretty cheap if you want to play that along with us. That'd be fun. Um, uh, what do we got next week, David? Are we talking about uh, games we... Ah, I can't remember. Are we talking well, about next games week we never is... finished? Gargoyles, it's so it's Gargoyles Quest next. Gargoyles week. is next week, okay. And then, yeah, and then the week after is Bloodstained. Right, I forgot about Bloodstained. Yeah, yeah. that'll be fun. Too. And then the week after that will be the uh, RPGs that couldn't hold our attention. Sounds good. Yeah. So finally, an episode where we get to uh, uh, just trash talk games for for an hour and a half or something like that. No, you know, we're it's funny. We're we're normally so positive on the podcast, so it'll be a nice uh, change of pace for us there. But uh, yeah, thanks again everyone for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, you know where to find us now. Um, and we'll, uh, I guess we'll, we'll see you soon. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.